Yeah, and for those who don't know, we are Ryan and Jen Raymond. Oh. We lead the... It's okay. I went through half my um, ladies' luncheon talk without telling them who I was, so it's okay. Great. It's all right. We're Ryan and Jen Raymond. Um, We get the privilege of leading the red team through Life Action Ministries, and we've been here with you all week, but I didn't know if there were any newbies, so I just wanted to make sure you knew our names. Um... We want to take you on a journey today, but before we do, I want to make sure that you don't have any misconceptions that you got some marriage experts here today. I'm an expert at doing it wrong. We, yeah, we are completely confident that there are probably more qualified people to teach this sitting right out there. So probably there are some people out there that know more than us, that have been through more than us. So um, we just want to share some things that have worked for us, that God has showed us, um, through people that have mentored us, through experiences, and um, especially through God's Word. So we don't want anyone to think that we are the experts. And oh. so if you thought that we were and you're disappointed, I'm, I'm really sorry. So Go see Chad and Melody later. Um, <laughs> Because I, I think they're probably pretty good at this stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> see, yeah. there you go. Yeah, we just, we're good at referrals. Um, we do try really hard to be real. And so we're going to tell you some things we're not so proud about. I mean, we are, we're real people under God's grace. And um, we're still seeking his wisdom in the, se- in the season that we're in right now. Yep. So I just always want to say that. Awesome. So I'm going to show you a fun picture. Way to back introduce in. you to a young couple who no longer exist anymore. Yeah, who are those kids? I don't know, but that's like half of me up there. Yeah. So this is actually the store where I first laid eyes on Ryan. And where she first fell in love with me. Our first talk is about <laughs> communication. That is not true. <laughs> Our first talk is on communication, and I thought we would tell some funny stories about communication, because communication is... Talking and listening, right? We agree, right? And communication is often exchanging things. But the first time I saw Ryan, we were not exchanging things. He so was, heard me. He yeah. was talking, and I was listening, and I was forming an impression. So Ryan worked at Eckerd Drugs. I don't know. Did you guys have Eckerd Drugs up here? Yeah, um, it's kind of like a Walgreens. The same people that own JCPenney's. Okay. So yeah. anyway, just like a Walgreens. So he's a little guy, a little, uh, checkout guy, stalker guy. I don't know. He worked there. Not a stalker. Stalker. Not, let's just go ahead and get that out. I am not a stalker. Not yeah. yet. Yeah. No, yeah. Just mm. Ooh, wow. <laughs> so I am so brand well. new in town. I had my student teaching assignment. I'm from Florida State University, Go Knowles, in Tallahassee. I was assigned to Atlanta, Georgia. So my Fifth year of my schooling was a nine-month internship. So in a new town, all doing all the new things, literally probably the day, the second day I've been in town, which happened to be Ryan's hometown, and I'm probably getting toothpaste or deodorant or something, walking down the aisle, and I overhear this very loud, arrogant young man. Wasn't me. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about, baby. And all I could hear was him bragging about stuff like, I'm going to seminary and I just graduated and I'm going to be a preacher. And I, and I was like, let me just clarify. I was talking to my high school math teacher who was like, so what are you doing now? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting ready to go to seminary, you know? I mean, God's got to, it's like, wow, yeah. I'm so awesome. So, I was I on the like other aisle. I know, that's a good voice, though. Isn't it? So, I'm on the whole other aisle. I only hear him, and I literally think, I have to walk around the aisle and peek to see who belongs to this voice. Because my Cause eyes cannot roll so hard. Good. No, my Uh-oh. eyes cannot roll hard enough. I'm like, huh. So I walk around. I look and I'm like, <clears throat> okay. And I walk and do my business. Didn't say a word to him. We didn't nope. meet. No Never thing. even knew she was there. So, yeah. But then the following Sunday, the only person she happened to know in my town was my pastor, um, Ike Reichard, and so she ended up living with his secretary, rooming with her, and she ended up coming to, to New Hope Baptist Church there where she took over my his job church. as the middle school intern. His I stepped job. down my senior year, was overloading because I crammed a five-year degree into four, and so I told the youth pastor, hey, I need to, need to step down. He looked at Jen and said, you're hired before she ever even applied for anything, which mm-hmm. was great, mm-hmm. but her first Sunday night there in the middle school ministry um, Hugh says, hey, we're going to ask our new intern, Jennifer, to come up and lead us in prayer. And I'm standing in the back, and she prayed, and I don't know what she prayed. I didn't close my eyes, nor did I bow my head. Um, <laughs> but my accountability partner was standing there next to me, and he goes, dude, you got to close your mouth. I said, buddy, I'm single, and so is she. And I went up to the youth pastor, and I said, I will volunteer my time with you just to get to know this young lady, because she was pretty awesome. He's so sweet. Yeah. And what, what did you think when you saw me at the church? I was like, you have got to be kidding me. (laughs) The only young man that made an impression on me, not a good impression, (laughs) is now going to be my co-worker. And soon to be your fiancé, because there's our engagement picture. There's our next picture. Yeah. So we had a long friendship, and I actually never loved Ryan until I moved away, which is the crazy part of our story. Mm -hmm. And then... Our next communication was long distance. Oh, gosh, yeah. We'll talk about that at some point, I'm sure. Over, I'm going to talk about oh, it right now. Oh, oh, we're talking about them now. Just yeah, for a okay. hot second. Awesome. Good. Um, I should probably look at the notes. So, we, we obviously, we were 22 years old. We both lived on our own. I remember moving out of my parents' house and so had the wonderful job of paying all of the bills myself. Uh, Jennifer was living in Montgomery, Alabama. I was in a suburb just outside of Atlanta, and this was before long distance was free. Anybody remember that when the telephones were connected to the wall and you had to pay? Like, so you made your phone calls after 10 p.m. at night because it was cheaper. Yeah, my first phone bill came in and it was $400. And I thought we have to do something different. Um, so email was, was coming out and was free with Juno. And so we both got Juno accounts, and we started emailing each other multiple times throughout the day and communicating in that way, uh, which was great. I still have all of our emails that we did. I printed them out before I lost my Juno account and put them in my box. It's what we call my happiness box, which we'll talk about later um, why it's named that. Uh, but it's all of our little treasures from when we've been together. So we, have, we had lots of fun at this point planning a wedding in two different states to get married in a third different state which was great, and then that led us to this wonderful day here. Yep. This is one of our favorite pictures together. This is best friends turn married people. Yeah. She had a fun conversation with her mom when she said, Hey, Mom, remember that guy that I said I would never like, much less date or even marry? Yeah, we're going to get married. (laughs) And I'm so glad we did. Me too. So we're going to talk in this first session about how this young couple thought they had it all together knowing what they were doing as far as communication goes. 
And so we're going to talk about some of the things we've learned about uh, communication, some of the pitfalls that we've had, and, and things like that. So let's start first with what is the definition of communication? Um, communication is defined by three things. You ready? The successful conveying or sharing of ideas and feelings. So sometimes you are, you're doing uh, just the sharing of, of your thoughts, your, your ideas. Um, it is also a two-way street of sending and receiving messages. Welcome to email and now texting. Um, I don't know about you, but I do not like texting because I can read into things really well. I'd rather have a voice phone call or a face-to-face conversation, but communication is considered a two-way street. It is also both speaking and listening. Communication is not just I'm talking to you, it's also in how I'm receiving it um, and what I'm processing and how I am going through that. So it is a both and thing. So why is communication important? Communication is important for several things. One of them is this, to establish and maintain healthy relationships. If you're in any kind of relationship and you want it to be good, you've got to talk. You have to communicate. You have to be able to send and receive messages well with each other. Another part of communication is to resolve problems and conflicts. We'll talk about that in session two. We'll talk about fighting fair and how do we resolve conflict and things like that, but it takes communication to resolve the conflict. The other thing is to effectively send and receive messages. It's that, you know, that sending button, um, but it's being effective in that. Uh, being able to read how that person is, is receiving that and then going, wait a minute, maybe that didn't come out like I thought it would. That's usually how it goes for me. Is I'll say something and she'll look at me like, wait a minute, that's odd. I know you guys have never experienced that with me yet, where I say something weird and off, offbeat that's like, that's not quite right. Um, but it's about receiving and sending messages. Yeah, I think uh, those two young people that you saw on the screen, they were really good at talking. They were really good. And there is a really big place for sharing ideas, helping someone get to know you, the talking, the talking, the talking. But what we found is we were really good at talking, not so good at listening. So we're going to talk about listening first today. And... Um, Listening is actually the master skill of love. We've ha- probably had to work harder at listening <laughs> than maybe anything else. Um, fun fact is, it takes 10,000 hours of practice to master any skill. So I'm going to let you off the hook. It's something that you improve upon, that you need time to practice and do. So if you are like us and you're like, I am not a good listener, um, it's okay. We can practice and we can get better at it. Um, no matter what stage you are, you can get better at listening. We have to start listening. And I don't know about you guys, but we're both type A firstborns. And there is a birth order book that says that usually firstborns don't marry each other. Nope. There's a reason for that. Firstborns like to be heard. Firstborns like to be right. Right. There you go. Exactly. Firstborns just like to talk in general. So um, we had a, that was part of our funny business and continues to be a struggle for us. But one thing about listening is learn to listen to understand rather than to respond. 
Do any of you guys like sit there and listen and you're just waiting for the person to hush because you have something really cool and clever to say? Yes, absolutely, <laughs> babe. So thank you for pausing in that know. moment. Um, no. I took a breath. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how we grew up in communication. We thought, man, that's communication, right? Like we would end up trying to one up each other mm-hmm. with our stories or with our thoughts or with our ideas, just waiting for the next person to take a breath. And what Jen realized is I can breathe really quick and I've learned how to talk while breathing in. So it works out to keep the interruptions down. He never stops. I'm just kidding. Me either. Me either. So we, um, rather than listening to what they're saying, because there's a lot being said, but there's a lot not being said. So for me to really actually listen, watch him, see what he's doing, really trying to figure out, like, where's this coming from, really? I hear the words he's saying, but my main goal is to get to know him how he ticks, where things are coming from. Because how many of you guys know what they say isn't all to the story, right? We're we're literally trying to get to know this person, how they tick. So um, I got uh, Proverbs 18 too. Thank you, babe. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their opinions. Um, Really early in our marriage, I found a sign that said, choose being kind over being right. I didn't like that sign. Or the fact that it was a gift from her, like she gave that to me, like I was the one who needed to choose being kind. I'm like, babe, hello. I said it was for both of us. It was. It was. And we, instead of competing to try to have the best thing to say and to be right, like I really, I should have been a lawyer sometimes, you know, like, oh, I want to prove why I'm right. We had to decide that some things weren't worth fighting about. And if, if me getting my point across took mean words or harsh words or any kind of slander, uh, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it to try to pick up after that. So We have a little video for you guys to watch about, about um, listening to understand. I know you're laughing because you've never had those conversations, right? Like where you're, you're trying to fix it. And that was, was me in a lot of ways was I would try to fix things um, and, and go from there. So here's, here's the next thing in listening. Begin to ask good questions. I have not done real well at that, but I'm getting better because I've understood the power of the question. A statement will harden the will. If, if I make a statement about a certain thing like you are doing this or you did this, as opposed to saying, why did you act this way or why did you say this this way? It, that, that question brings out that knowledge. It helps me to begin to understand things. Look up Proverbs 20, verse 5. Though good, though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. A person with understanding will be able to, to ask those questions to begin to draw the truth out. Uh, this is definitely something that we've had to learn with, with our team members. Um, I mean, traveling with, with young adults is amazing. They're awesome. Um, but I have learned that my, my statements don't work well with them. But man, when we begin to ask questions, asking for understanding, seeking that understanding, trying to draw out in them, it's a great process for them as well as for us because I begin to understand them, but they also begin to understand themselves a little bit better. Um, here's a, the third thing about listening Learn to listen with your ears and your eyes. Communication is not just what people say. Have you ever heard the the thing, it's not what you say, but how you said it. It's sometimes how we deliver 
our messages. Um, look at this thing about nonverbal communication. Most communication is built up like this. 7% of it is the content, the what, the things that they are saying. 38% of it is the tone of the voice. Um, I loved it when my girls, when they were little, I would get the dad voice on. Now listen, you need to make sure that you, and they would start crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? Well, you're yelling. I'm not yelling. And then I would do the whole thing. Oh, you think I'm yelling? Let me give you an example of me yelling. To which I would then yell, plaster their hair back. They would be standing there wide-eyed, like no more tears, but just like wide-eyed. And then I'd go, now that was yelling. Was the first thing yelling? It's not necessarily what you say, but how you say it. 55% of communication is body posture. It's the nonverbal communication. It's the what am I doing with my body. So when Jen and I sometimes would talk, um, one of the things that, that I found myself doing a lot of times is I'd sit back like this. I'd like cross my arms and just kind of lean back. What does that portray? I'm bored. I'm not interested. I don't really care. I, I'm not, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Or the, the other thing that was, is great nowadays is, you know, you're carrying on a conversation and you're doing this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm with you. What? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What does that say? What you're saying is not important to me. But now if we're in a conversation and I simply lean forward and I'm, I'm leaning into what you're saying, what is that saying about the conversation with you? It's important. I value what you're saying. I'm leaning in because I want to hear and I want to be engaged with you. That was, uh, you guys heard me talk about the, the lovely talks that Jen likes to have at nighttime when we go to bed. That was part of the thing about why I would turn the light on and sit up. Because one, it kept me awake. But two, what did that communicate to her? Communicated that I value what you what you want to say. Even though we just spent the last hour and a half watching TV together and we could have turned that off and had a conversation and now you want to do it now that we're laying in the bed, which I still think is weird and crazy. She's like, this is the time I want to talk. This is when my brain starts going. Okay, fine, I'll turn the light on and we'll just start turning the TV off a little bit earlier so that you know we're not up till midnight, one o'clock having conversations. Um, but it, it communicates to her that what she's saying is important. Well, guess what? These are communication tactics that are not just used in a marriage. They're used in every relationship we have. It's, it's used in our church family. It's used at work. It's used with our kids. It's used with our best friends. Communication is an amazing thing. So um, one of the things about communication is not only listening, but it's also learning to speak. To speak what's on your mind and what's on your heart. To have good communication, you have to talk. You have to speak up. Sometimes, based on how you were raised, you have a certain um, way that you're comfortable with. Um, Jen, why don't you share a little bit about your family growing up and communication? Yeah, we realized we were very different. Um, our families are very similar in some ways, but um, this is a very different thing. Like, So let's just take the dinner table at the Jones house. That was my maiden name, Jones. It was yeah, loud. I've tried to keep up with the Joneses for years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was loud, sometimes inappropriate. Like, it never failed, no matter what. We had some kind of potty humor at the table. I don't understand. I don't know why. We always it's talked funny. about body movements. I know. And it's and, yeah, yeah, somebody <laughs> passed gas. Somebody, I don't know. Not at the table, but we'd always talk about something about the bathroom. 
Um, but my family, we were pretty outspoken. Like we didn't, we weren't afraid to say our opinions. Um, we were, I mean, dad was definitely the boss at the end of the day, but we, um, had a good camaraderie. We teased each other. We, um, told funny stories. Um, it was just more informal. Yes. Whereas me growing up, the dinner table at my house was, uh, we didn't talk a lot. Dad talked a lot. Mom talked some, but as kids, we didn't talk a whole lot. Um, we, we were very formal. We would never, ever talk about the bathroom or anything at our dinner table. Um, and so it was really, really fun when we would grow up. And we would, I don't know if your family's like this, we told the same six stories at every single meal almost. Like, especially when we got together for family gatherings, like, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas. They still was, do that. I, they still do that. They do, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, mm-hmm. I don't do that my brother-in-law and I, you know, there's a little in-law club sometimes at the family dinners. You know, we just look at each other like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't there, so, you know, yeah. Yeah, we, and it's always all the same stories. But it was interesting with our girls when we would go over to my family's house with them. What would you have to tell the girls? I was like, there's just some things you can't say in front of Grams and Pa. You can't say darn. You can't say crap. You can't say, you know, we can't be too loud at the table. You know, we had to preface everything before we went. So, yeah. So, so you've got to learn to speak your mind and you got to learn to speak up. I didn't have a voice a lot of times growing up. And so for me, speaking my mind is difficult. And again, bring into that idea of the fact that I'm a people pleaser at heart. I want people to like me. So speaking my mind is dangerous because I might put something out there that somebody says, man, I, I don't like that. Um, but listen, we have to because we can't read each other's minds. Jen can't read my mind about what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling in, in a situation. Um, and so it, it's important for me to learn to speak up with her and say, listen, this, this is how I feel. This is where I'm at. This is the thoughts that's going through my head. My favorite is when we're driving down the road, especially now, Jen will be like, what are you thinking? I'm like, nothing. She's like, no, seriously, what are you thinking? No, seriously, nothing. Like, my brain yeah. is empty. I don't I sp- understand that. How can you think nothing? <laughs> it's, it's pretty bliss, actually. Um, the then lady- when I asked Jen, I'm like, what are you thinking? And she's like... I'm like at 45 different things yeah. at one time. Yeah, the ladies and I talked about this on Thursday. Like, we can't even be quiet for 20 minutes to have like an inflective time of nothingness. We're trying to learn to rest in the Lord, and apparently you guys rest all the time. It works out well. Oh, and that's why we have to think extra hard. <laughs> We're thinking twice You're as thinking hard. You're thinking for me. Just in case yes. you haven't thought of something. I'm so thankful for that. Thanks, babe. Preemptive. You're so kind. My favorite thing is when your spouse is mad at you for something you don't know that they're mad about. That makes no sense. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, like hey, babe, how are you doing? And you're like, fine, and the, the cabinet doors are slamming, and you're huffing and puffing yeah. through the house. And, you should be yeah. able to see. What, I mean, you. <sighs> yeah, no, I can't yeah. read your mind, babe. Yep, so we've got to speak up. It's so uncomfortable. He doesn't want to speak up because he doesn't want to hurt my feelings. I don't want to speak up because... You should know. Yeah. But all of that is just prideful. Like, that is so, like, you know, like, we got to get over ourselves sometimes, and we got to lower our voice, make the intentional effort to say, listen, this hurt my feelings. 
this is how I feel. I didn't like that when yada, yada, yada. The I statements, not the you statements. You guys know what I'm talking about, the difference. I used to like the you statements, and now I'm just like, keep it to us, keep it to me. I only know me. And so that used to really bug you too. Because she would say, don't tell me how I'm feeling. It's obvious you're feeling this way. And you're like, don't tell me how I'm feeling. I'm yeah, so that was sorry. Great. I'm so sorry. So we need to learn to speak our minds, but what else, babe? What's, what's one thing I always tell you? <laughs> Just because you can say something doesn't mean you should say something. Amazing. Yeah. So we call this the speak of your mind, but not always. Um, learning when to not speak is a skill of speaking. I don't know. That sounds counterintuitive, but sometimes you just need to wait because in the waiting, you may even see that it wasn't necessary to say it all, or maybe you need to say it later. Proverbs ten nineteen says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's a really hard thing for me sometimes because I, um, I have spiritual gifts that help me say the truth. I am a truth teller. Um, and some of you really know what that means. Like, I feel like the truth needs to be revealed in all situations, <laughs> um, which can be really hard. And there are times God wants me to speak the truth, and I feel nervous about it. Like, I, I, it's going to be uncomfortable. I might be the only one saying the truth. Um, but the truth in love is a lot different than just the truth. And um, later, we're also going to talk about timing. Sometimes it's the wrong time to say the things. And I can be blunt, and I can be um, just really out there sometimes. So, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So there are different kinds of words, and we're going to talk briefly about life words and death words. How many of you guys know you can bring life to a relationship through your words, and you can crush it dead with your words also. You've heard the phrase sticks and stones, right? Remember that one? Yeah. Words are, are a powerful tool, um, and sometimes we know just the right word to jab just the right spot, especially with those that we love the most. Um, and so these are, we're going to go over some, some life words and some death words. The, the first words we want to look at is life words are honest, death words are lying. Um, and so uh, this is the, the first piece in this puzzle of life and death words. Proverbs twenty six twenty eight says this, a lying tongue hates its victims and flattering words can ruin. Um, yeah, can, can I just be honest for the next little bit with you guys? Um, because this is probably for me, this is probably the part of the talk that is aimed at me. Um, where it just, it penetrates and it hits. Because I would honestly say, well, I'm not a liar. I don't out and out tell lies. But I do get creative with my lying. You're like, wait a minute, what do you mean creative with your lying? You tell little white lies? No, I do things like flattery. I will will tell people, you know, man, you look greater. I but that's also part of my spiritual gift is, is encouragement. And so I'm, I'm looking for that one thing to encourage somebody with. But in some cases, I go overboard with it and it becomes too much. Um, you want to interject in this Yeah, one? so our first orientation, I didn't want to call it a date. So that's here we are. Um, but we did go eat dinner together and it was just the two of us. And, and I, I think said, you paid. Yeah, I, I, mm, I asked going in, I was like, you know, is this a date? Is this not a date? Like I came prepared to pay. And she goes, 
well, why don't we just go Dutch this time, but you can pay next time. Yes! We hadn't even gotten through the first date, and she's already on date two. I'm like, thank you. He was excited there was going to be a next time. I was. So we ate Chinese food, and it was really funny because we cracked open our fortune cookies, and I was like, seriously? Mine said... Beware of flattery. Keep your feet on the ground. Because that was one of my pet peeves with him. I was like, you always... Like, he would say, you look so beautiful tonight. And then... Like, you know, 10 seconds later, he's telling someone who's not so beautiful, they're so beautiful tonight, you know, just the things. I was like, well, how can I know when you're telling the truth when you're just all over the place? Like, overboard here, underboard here, so. Flattery is a, is, is a way of the next piece, and that is exaggeration. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, they do go hand in hand. Flattery is just another form of exaggeration. How many of you have have ever heard the preacher talk like, you know, Chad, I'm thankful that we have 500 people in the room this morning. Um, Man, what a great turnout for the church. It's fantastic. You guys are looking around going, wow, this is what 500 looks like? Oh, okay. I mean, we we can do that sometimes, can't we? We can exaggerate things, um, and we can use those words always and never, which are great exaggeration pieces, I love it when Jen will say that about always, and I'll, you know, me being me, I'll be like, really, always? I always do that? Well, you, okay, good. Let's, almost always. Almost always, yeah, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, so uh, another one that gets me is sarcasm. I told you guys this is my love language. You've heard of the five love languages. Um, this is the sixth one that I think comes out in the next book. Um, sarcasm. I, I, I speak with sarcasm. The problem is, is my sarcasm Um, sometimes hurts and it damages trust. And so we'll come back and and circle back around all of this in just a second. The fourth one is empty promises. Uh, When I would tell Jen, hey, I'm going to be home at such and such a time and I don't show up. Or I would tell the girls, hey, this weekend we're going to go do this. And then something comes up and we don't go do that thing. Um, You know, empty promises. When I would tell a friend, hey, I'll be there to, to come pick you up. And then I just decided I really don't want to go, and so I just don't go. Um, but it's an empty promise. Look at Proverbs 15.4. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Um, I have learned that my, my exaggeration and my sarcasm and my empty promises, this has damaged my relationships um, with my bosses, it's damaged my relationship with coworkers. It's damaged my relationships with my friends. It's damaged my relationship with Jen um, and even my girls because what it does is it, it damages trust. People then begin to wonder, is what you say really true? Or are you just telling me what I want to hear? And this is something that God has been working on me. Um, it breaks my heart that I've hurt people sometimes unintentionally, because I've used words that don't bring life into them. I truly want to know that my words are a tree of life. When I speak to people, it brings life into them, and it builds courage. That's, that's what the word encouragement means, to put courage into someone. And so I, I'm always looking for that piece. What's our next set of words? Yeah, our next set of words, um, life words would be kind words. And that seems maybe 
like duh, we should be kind. Um, and the death words would be rude words. And um, I have some examples of rude words. Um, Proverbs 15.1 first says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. One, uh, one example um, of rudeness would be constant criticism. Constant, like, we call it in the South, nitpicking. I don't know if that's what y'all call it here, but nitpicking, you know, splitting hairs, always pointing out. Now, I'm a refiner by personality, so it comes naturally for me to see flaws because I'm a problem solver. I'm a fixer. I'm a, a an improver, if you will. So it works for me well in a lot of situations, you know, like at work and in ministry, I'm always like, let's, we could be better. We can do better. But if I'm always focusing here, we could be better. We could be better. It makes him feel very deflated. It makes him feel like he's constantly a, be a failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like so many things to work on. And um, that's not fair at all. I need to keep my eyes on myself. And I do nitpick myself, which is also a fatal flaw in some ways. But um, I need to keep my eyes on me and my my relationship with the Lord and continue to pray for Ryan. Um, there are times when God says, sharpen him, let him know this. This is something I want you to say to him so he will be better. And the way I present that makes all the difference in the world. Another example, 12, oh, I keep missing. Yeah. Proverbs twelve eighteen. some people make cutting remarks, but words of the wise bring healing. Um, this is kind of similar to the sarcasm, but cruel joking. Like joking about your spouse, like making them maybe not look as good as they could. Um, Joking at their expense. It might be really funny. The thing about cruel joking is there's always some truth to it. So it sometimes has like a little jab in there. And um, I don't want anybody laughing at my man. Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Thanks. You're welcome. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. That's become a common little phrase that I don't love. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. JK, JK. And when do we normally say that? After. We've noticed Mm -hmm. that it's just, it's crushed them. We, We see the response and how they've received it. And, and you know, I, I think about it kind of like it's a flower. You know, it just, it closes up on itself. And you're just like, oh, that's, that's not what I meant. I was just kidding. I was just joking. Yeah. Yeah. Next thing. And a lot of times the joking, I didn't mean to go back to that, but we're looking for attention for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're either looking for sympathy because whatever he does, or we're looking for attention because we're just trying to be funny. And so when we get to the root of that, we know that that's not something we want to do. And nagging. I'm just so, I just don't want him to forget. I mean, are you with me, ladies? I just don't want him to forget. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> but the 12th reminder in the last 20 minutes is probably know, not good. I know, yeah. I know, yeah, I know. No. Mm-hmm. Write a li- make a list and hand it to you. Proverbs yeah. twenty-seven fifteen. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. Um, realizing that um, he's not my child. He does not need a constant reminder. He has... He's an adult. I believe the best in him. I'm going to tell him, and I'm going to trust him to prioritize it um, and love him through it. Yep. So another set of life words is thoughtful words versus hasty words. These are words um, when we've thought things through before we've said them. Um, when we've 
stopped for a second to let our brains catch up with our mouths um, and, and allowing that to kind of come in. Um, look at this verse, Proverbs 29, 20. There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. It brings back my dad saying, think before you speak. Um, more hope for a fool than someone who speaks without thinking. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven. a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. You've heard the phrase, better to keep your mouth closed and people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. Exactly right. Then all of a sudden they know, yeah, you're not as smart as what you think you are. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says this, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Proverbs is an amazing book. If you're, if you're going, man, where, what do I study? Proverbs is fantastic in that there's 31 chapters and there's usually 31 days. You could read one chapter a day and, and take it that way and really begin to just pour over that and pull those truth nuggets out. It's full of them. I mean, what a great thing. The heart of the godly thinks carefully. So we have a, a little acrostic that we use um, when we talk about this. We've talked about this with our girls um, and Abby, when she started driving um, her friends to school, when she was in high school, she would load up the kids in her Hyundai Tiburon for a while, and then she loaded them up in her two-door Honda Accord, which was great. You know, she'd pile them into the back seat. And there's this one young man who was in our youth group um, who is amazing, but his whole language is sarcasm. Like, everything about him is sarcastic. Um, and so there was one day he was just picking on people in the car, just being sarcastic. Abby pulls the car over. And she says, we're stopping this. This is not healthy. This is not right. What you're doing is wrong. And so we're going to implement a new rule in the car. You must think before you speak. And so she pulls out this acrostic, which is great. And then she, she put it on a note card and had it like, like uh, push pinned into the top of her. Th- and I was like, mm, I don't know that that's a great idea, babe, but that's right. And she put it up there so everybody could see what think means. Think, is it true? Is what I'm about to say true? If it's a yes, great, go on to the next piece. If it's a no, stop there, you don't even need to say it. H, is it helpful? Is what I'm going to say helpful to this person or is it harmful? If it's helpful, go to the next step. If it's not, stop there. I, is it inspiring? Is what you're going to say inspire them to be better, to do something good? Is it going to to make them want to do these things? If it is, go on to the next step. If it's not, stop. In, is it necessary? This is where Jen gets stuck a lot of times. Because she has a lot of truth words that are helpful, that are inspiring, but they're not necessary. There are times where I'm like, hey, you shouldn't say that. But babe, you should know the things that I haven't said. Well, that's great. Thanks for showing some restraint. But I think you need to practice. If he only knew. (laughs) (laughs) Is it necessary? K, is it kind? Listen, if it is not all of these things, I don't mean if you get four out of five, go ahead. If it doesn't hit all of them, you might not need to say it. It might not be the right thing to say. Sometimes it might be the right thing to say, but your timing is wrong. That's the other thing about learning to speak our mind is that timing is critical. Timing is critical. 
okay, good. I was like, wait a minute, where am I? Awesome. Proverbs 15, 23 says this. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. The right word at the wrong time is, guess what? The wrong word. The wrong word at the wrong time is always the wrong word. No matter what, the wrong word at the right time is always the wrong word. But the right word at the wrong time is still the wrong word. The right word at the right time brings healing. It brings life. It, brings, it takes that relationship to the next level. Look at this, Proverbs 25, 11. Timely advice is lovely, like golden apples and an apple pie baked in front of you with the crumbles on the top. And the... Think about it. I love apple pies. Like my, our youngest daughter, Hannah, loves to bake. Her specialty, apple pies. Like, love it. Like, we're getting ready to go to my mom and dad's house in Atlanta, and my mom will be like, hey, Hannah, can we bake an apple pie together? Please, bake two. Like, I mean, what, what it just bake some. Timely advice is just like that. It's like your favorite food that is just kind of there, and it's aroma, and it's just this, this pleasing thing to us. James 3.8 says this. You got this one? or oh, okay. I didn't highlight it. Sorry. Oh, okay. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. You can't unsay words, right? Have you ever, like, things shot out and you're like, you wish you could just suck them back in or rewind them? You can't unsay words. So learning to think and pause before the things come out is super important. One of the death words, and it's literally a word that um, we were told in premarital counseling like to never say, is that D word, you know, divorce. Like never threaten that. We could really hurt each other, and we might get our point across, and we might want to hurt them for a second, um, but we can't take things back. So think about that with your words. You can't unsay them. So it's much better not to say anything until you're sure that it's what you need to say um, because the damage it causes is just something that's really hard to repair for. You can say you're sorry a million times, but it gives the enemy some play in your head to rewind and hear those words again. Psalm 141.3 says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and put a guard on my lips. The big issue about communication is asking the Lord to help you without self-control. Self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So we, um, we always need Him. We always need to lean on Him. Spending time with the Lord, reading His words, filling ourselves with His words, gives us a much greater chance of His words coming out of us. And so that self-control, remember, we need to lean on Him. There's a great song that I want to put up and um, want you guys to listen to. It's by a group called Hawk Nelson, um, and it's, it's about words. And so we're gonna, it's going to play the lyrics as the song sings so that you can kind of begin to see what they say and see some of these truths that we've talked about in music. They've made me feel like a prisoner They've made me feel set free They've made me feel like a criminal Made me feel like a king They've lifted my heart To places I've never been And they've 
from a counselor who told us the best way to learn communication is to think about it like it's a drive-through at a restaurant. You know, you, you pull up to the drive-through speaker and this is the whole thing. It's, it's about listening and communicating. Um, and sometimes that transaction doesn't go real well, does it? Like the person on the other end, you're like, are you, are you even listening to what I'm saying? Like, you know, you pull up and they always start with, hey, welcome to whatever. And it sounds like, wah, 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 wah. And you're going, um, I'm thankful that I know that I'm at Hardee's or Arby's or wherever that is because I don't know what you just said. And so you say to the speaker, hey, I would like a number one with no pickle, a medium fry, and a large Coke. Well, what does that person, if they're trained well, what do they typically do after you've said what you wanted? They repeat it back. They say, okay, so what I heard you say was you wanted a number three extra pickle, small fry, and a milkshake. What's your response? Yep, that's it exactly, right? And then you just pull on through, right? No, you go, no, that that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted a number one with no pickle. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And they'll change it and you get to see it up on the screen and 
And then what do they do once they get your order right? The next thing is, would you like anything else? Listen, that's the way we've got to learn to communicate. Jen and I have, have learned this style where, where when one of us is upset, we, we will sit down and we'll be like, what's going on? How can I help you? And then she'll say something or I'll say something. And then the other person goes, okay, so what I heard you say was, and we repeat it back to them. Because remember, communication is about sending and receiving the messages. And so we'll repeat back, this is what I've heard. Is that correct? And then she gets the opportunity or I get the opportunity to come back in and say, well, yes, but that's not really what I meant. What I meant was, and so you're able to bring that clarification and clarity into it. And then once everything is crystal clear as mud sometimes uh, because of the communication, once we get it together, we always ask that next question. Is there anything else? And then we wait and listen. And sometimes the other person will go, well, yeah, there is. And it continues that transaction back and forth. But sometimes it's like, no, that, that's it. And then you, you can pull through the drive-thru, you pay for your order, and you go off because you know what you got was right, and, and you know that you're there. Um, and so this is a great kind of style of communication that we use. Typically, we don't just pull off and go, great, that's wonderful. We'll flip it around, and, and she'll be the one asking the questions. If it's you know me starting it off with her, she'll ask me, and it's this great back-and-forth conversation piece that it's not just one-sided. It's a two-sided communication. Remember, it's two ways. Communication is both of us speaking, talking, and listening. Um, so here's your life in action questions for you to think this through. Ask yourself this. What can I do to become a better listener? What can I do to become a better listener? And two, are there any death words that you need to stop using? Are you using any of those things in your daily communications that you need to just let go? How can you become a better communicator in your relationships? Let me pray for us and we're going to take a break. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the time this morning. Um, Thank you for the fact that Um, you give us through your word some amazing truth about the power of our words. Lord, would we pray what what the psalmist prayed, God, would you take control of our words so that, God, our, our mouths may be honoring to you, Lord, and glorifying to you, but, Lord, would it also become trees of life in people's worlds, God, in their minds and in their hearts and in our relationships. Help us, Lord, to be life givers. Lord, thank you so much for our time this morning. In your name we pray, amen.